Hello and welcome. It's the show no one's been waiting for. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, with David Cooper, and I'm your host, David Cooper. It's This Is Going Well, I Think, the show where no one's listening and no one cares, the show where every episode's the last episode. So let's jump right in. Today, scientist and evolutionary biologist Dan Riskin. Dan's one of my favorite people to talk to, and I think he actually listens to this show. So we may well have a listenership of one. Today, we will meander about science and who knows what. I'm excited. Excited to jump in. Listen, I gotta say, I've been listening to your podcast, and it's good. Oh, no. I like the music. Yeah, I do too. That's the best part. Where'd you get that music? Uh, it's a funny thing. Um, do you want to go down like a really weird tangent for about five minutes? Yeah, sure. I mean, as long as it's part of the podcast. So, do you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's a part of the radio okay. show. It's, it's a okay, podcast good. that isn't a podcast because it's a radio show that is not on the radio. Oh, I get it now. That's, That's perfectly the show. clear. Okay. Uh, okay. The, Picture it, Sicily, 1947. Do you know what show that is? Mm, no. Golden Girls. That's uh, Estelle Getty as, uh, what's her name in Golden Girls? The old one. The old one. Um, why am I forgetting her name? Doesn't matter. I watch that show every night. You do? Yeah. It's like my go to sleep uh, show. And she said, that's how she tells her stories. That's what she says. She says, picture it. Sicily, nineteen. Wasn't she the youngest of the actors yeah, on that show? Yeah, she certainly was. Um, she cer- Sophia Petrillo is the name. She was the youngest, but they there put her is. in old makeup. So it's maybe amazing. The TV really works. I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. It's two thousand and let's say eight. Do you remember the Bed Intruder YouTube video? Oh my God, this is going deep. This This guy in like the projects, I think in like Detroit, they had a break-in and he like, it was on local news and he defended his home. The guy like jumped on his sister and he like punched the guy and the guy fled. You know, this guy broke into his home. And then the guy was interviewed. He had a red bandana. That's exactly right. And he was extremely flamboyant. But like really yeah. like tough, and he was just such an odd character. There was no archetype of like a tough guy from the projects who scares away home intruders trying to attack your sister. But like yes. so over the top flamboyant. So people did auto tune remixes of him. Yes, and this was one of the first instances of auto tune remixes. But before that, there was a culture of YouTube remixes, and I had found a few, and I had found this guy. Uh, who had made a few, and he wasn't popular yet. Now he has tens of millions of views on his videos. Good. Uh, Long story even longer, I was planning on a trip, and it was my grandmother's birthday, and my mother basically said, you can't go on this trip because your grandmother's going to die. And she left me a voicemail, an insane voicemail, Dan. And I I can play it for you if you want. All right, good. Yeah, let's hear it. Hi, Dave. It's Mom calling, honey. Please give me a call. 
Uh, I just spoke to Booby Flowey. She feels really bad that you're not going to be at her party. She just told me, you know, why can't you leave tomorrow? It's different if you had left a few days ago, but to just leave the day of her party, she says she really feels bad. She doesn't know how many more birthdays she's going to have, and uh, can't you please leave tomorrow? So I'm just telling you what she said, and uh, you can make your own decisions, uh, but uh, call me back. Thanks. Bye. Was this a flight? Uh, no, I was driving. I was driving okay. from Toronto to okay. Chicago. So she basically mm. says, if you don't go to your grave, it's a hilarious voicemail. Yes. No, it, the, the guilt. It's the, you can make your own decision, my ass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Jewish mother. And so I was like, I don't know, I was in it with my family then. I couldn't like rebel. Now I live in the US. I'm, you know, an independent person. I can make fun of my yeah, mom. Yeah, that'll taught him. That taught him, eh? Well, you tell me when I can go on my vacation, I'm moving to New York. Then you see what you could tell me. <laughs> well, it was California, but then New York. So I didn't go on this road trip that I had planned. You didn't go at all? No, because she was like basically, and she had like 11 more birthdays after that, Mike. She's passed now. Of course. But she of course. she was sprightly then and sprightly Just to for, get you. Yeah. Uh, Maybe 11 more just to make you mad. Yeah, but go ahead. So I needed some way to get revenge. So I reached out to this YouTube remixer. I'm like, can you remix my mom's voicemail into a track? And then I would send it around to my family and get a laugh, which he did. And I did. Let me play it for you. Hi, Dave. It's Mom calling, honey. Please give me a call. Please give me a call. Hi, Dave. It's Mom calling, honey. Please give me a call. Please give me a call. I just looked at Bobby Flowey. She feels really bad, really, really bad. She says she really feels bad. Bobby Flowey. Bobby Flowey feels bad. Bobby Flowey. Bobby Flowey feels bad. Why can't you leave tomorrow? Tomorrow. She says she really feels bad, 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 bad. Don't stop. I love it. I love it. You can make your own decisions, but call me back. Thanks. That's it. Oh, it's genius. Did you pay that guy? Yeah, I paid him, I think, 75 bucks over PayPal. Oh my gosh, that's the best 75 bucks you've ever spent. I agree. Uh, I followed this guy's career. He's done, there's a movie called, I think, The Comedian with Robert De Niro. Is that right? Okay. Uh, and in it, he this comedian does something, I don't know what, maybe he's like getting canceled or he does something on the news that people hate. And so it, these things get like remixed online and his they contacted him to make a remix and the guy had Whoa. remixed the trump rallies the hillary clinton rallies alex jones this guy's got tens of millions of views on his videos but you know 15 years later when i wanted to do this podcast i reached out i'm like can you make me some music he offered to do it for i think it was like a hundred bucks but he's like i want the licensing for it so whenever it plays like i get the royalties i'm like no no i, I want to buy well, he's his. learned yeah sorry yeah so he's learned well, he's, he's learned how to make I money. I spent a little more to actually buy it, so I own oh, it. Oh, I see. It's my track. Okay, you own it. Good. Yeah. Um, but it's this guy. It's, yeah. So that's the long... It's a good little song. ...winded story. It took... I like uh, it. Uh, ...six minutes, and that's why we brought you here to talk about myself. I interview people about me, Dan. That's my new... I... Audience. Listen. 
I what we share is curiosity, yes. right? Sometimes I bring food to the table. Sometimes you, you've I find that there's some scraps on your shirt that I'm curious about, and maybe want to nibble on those. And so yeah. here we are with those scraps well, on your shirt. You're speaking of curiosity. You're a science. You do sciencing. Let me ask you something. I was talking about this with my girlfriend the other day, and I think it's a really serious question worth investigation. Where does the poop go when an unborn baby poops inside its mother? Good question. Uh, an unborn baby doesn't eat food, and so it doesn't poop. But how does it sustain itself if it's got to, it's got to have some sort of form of? So that's that's the placenta. So so the way it works, and so the when you eat food. You like you eat French fries, yeah. and the French fries go into your gut, and then there are these molecules in the French fries that your body wants, and so they traverse your small intestine. They go into your blood. They go into part of your bloodstream that goes to your liver. Then it gets sort of detoxified, and then eventually it makes its way out into your circulation, and then it gets carried by your bloodstream to all your cells, and that's where those molecules come from. But in a baby inside mommy. Um, what ends up happening is that their blood, instead of going to the digestive system to get all those molecules, it goes out to the placenta. And at the placenta, the blood from the baby comes really close to the blood from the mommy. They don't mix, but they come really close. And then the mommy who ate French fries carries those molecules to the placenta, and then they traverse the placenta and they go into the baby's blood. And then the baby gets the French fry molecules that way. And so the baby doesn't have to eat. The baby gets all their food. And so the baby, after the baby's born, the baby has its first big poop. And it's got a different name. It's like macobium or something like that. It's, wow. And it's like a black paste that's really just kind of like from them <laughs> eating amniotic fluid a little bit. But there's no food in their gut. And so they don't poop when they're inside mommy. So I had known that when you give birth, it's very common for the mother to, you know, let out a good poop during the process because, yeah. you know, there's just yeah. a lot going on. We understand mom's got to do what mom's got to do. I didn't know babies had a first good poop as well. Yeah, there's a there, and it's like this black tar, and like the first first couple wipes of the baby, it's it's very hard to clean off their cute little bums early on. But uh, I mean, there there may be, I I'm, I mean, like I'm not an expert on this stuff, so it may may be that some amniotic fluid goes through the digestive tract and comes out their cute little bums while they're still inside mommy, and that it gets mixed in with the amniotic fluid. But for the most part, there's not like big brown dumps that are floating around with the baby. What about baby sweat? It just mixes with the does the baby yeah, drool? Question. Is the baby's mouth open? You're supposed to be a know, man. Science. Well, I am, I, but science is about questions, not answers. And I, so I have lots of questions too. And but one interesting thing is that, uh, according to a paper that I came across a couple of years ago, um, a baby's mouth is sterile when they're born. Like there's no there's no endobacteria inside a baby when they're born, and so they have to acquire all that stuff out in the real world, which is really interesting. And th that that microbiome the, the bacteria that then will take up shop inside the gut of the baby for their life and the populations that will of course turn over but um that becomes like a really important part of how we live our lives and it's it's so neat because we used to think of bacteria as this bad thing but now the more we learn the more we realize that like that bacteria that lives inside your gut is just a huge component of human health and there's a new paper out that sort of gets into that which involves a lot of poop and it, I, I really like it i really like this new paper well let's talk about it but i i've actually heard of the gut flora the microbiome biome the bacteria that's in your you know stomach your digestive system is as referred to as the forgotten organ because it's that important yeah. for your body yeah, and I mean, there, there's much smaller cells than your own cells, but um, it's thought that we have as many bacterial cells in our bodies as we do our own cells. And so if you counted, like it did a population census, the, the number of cells in your body that are bacteria is roughly equal to the number of cells in your body that are human, which wow. is 
I don't know. It's kind of cool. And they it's, have it's their neat. own, I mean, you know, many, many million, billion, who knows how many years evolutionary history of like evolving with mammals and you and all this yeah. kind of stuff. They're, yeah. They're, they're as complex as us, if not more. Yeah. And and different people have different populations of, of bacteria and, and that can have a huge impact on health. I mean, there are these studies on mice where they take the bacteria from a skinny mouse and give it to a fat mouse and the fat mouse loses weight or vice versa. They take the bacteria from a fat mouse and they give it to a skinny mouse and they, they, I mean, so it's, it's influencing how you break down your food. And so anyway, this new study that I'm super excited about, uh, there was a nice write up about it in the Washington post that my wife actually put me on to, but cause she's like a health nut. She's always trying to get our kids to eat healthy food and me and her. And so we're all trying to eat like lentils and chickpeas and all this stuff. And so here's what they did in this study. They, they took, um, 17, people and each of them for 22 days ate one type of diet and then for 22 days ate a different kind of diet and the whole time they were inside a, a laboratory and they were having their like oxygen consumption measured and they were having their poop weighed and like all these things to figure out and the researchers knew exactly how many calories were going in and so for the first of the two diets it was unhealthy food right so you got to think of like rice krispies and white bread and american cheese and ground beef and cheese puffs and vanilla wafers and cold cuts and sugary snacks and fruit juice all that stuff. And then for the other diet, it was like the healthy one, right? So that was beans, lentils, oats, chickpeas, brown rice, quinoa, nuts, fruits, vegetables, like the good stuff. Yeah. And but but they were really careful. So both those diets had the same number of calories and both those diets had the same ratio of fat to protein to carbohydrates. So they were really cleanly matched and they knew exactly what was going into these people. And they of course randomized the order for each person. So the, you know, it wasn't all of them did one of them first and the other one second, they randomized the order. And, uh, and so then they measured like the, basically what, what came out of them and what ended up happening is when you're eating that healthy diet. So when you eat the unhealthy diet, when you eat the, like the white bread and cheese sandwiches for lunch, those those calories go into you and they get absorbed right away. Like that breaks down really fast. And so as soon as it hits your small intestine, it's like, oh, great, you got calories. And they go into your body and your body takes them and your body does what it wants with them. And that's great. But when you eat that healthy food, there's so much fiber that the food actually can't get to you right away. So the food's traveling through and it gets a small intestine and some of it gets into you, but a lot of it doesn't. And it keeps going and it makes its way all the way to the large intestine where the bacteria are and the bacteria get it. And the bacteria eat it and the bacteria get all those calories and you grow tons of bacteria that are like doing really well on all this food. And so what ends up happening is that you poop out all this bacteria that's that's fed on those calories and those calories never went into your body. And so as a result, if you're eating the healthy food, you're you're shedding twice as many calories in your poop as people that are eating the processed foods that are really easy to get. So so the, the food doesn't go into you, so you're not eating as many calories. Even though you ate the calories, they just don't go into your body. And so that's why you don't end up getting gaining as much weight. So not all fats, not all carbohydrates, not all of these things, even in equal proportion, are equal. The unhealthy ones just kind of stay with you, and the healthy ones your bacteria wants to eat and poop out. I'm just trying to repeat what you said in a way that I understand because it was kind of complicated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of complicated. And I guess another way to think of it, it, and this is my favorite part of the study, is that the, when the people were eating the healthy food, they made eight and a half times as much poop, which is amazing. That's amazing. That's eight like, and a half times? Eight and a half times the, the, the biomass. So, I mean, maybe, like, I'm not exactly sure the how to quantify biomass. The weight of it, the weight of it. But 
the weight of it, like the maybe the dry weight, like after you get all the water out and you just like cook, cook in a little oven, so you make a little a little dried up poo and look at how much mass that is. You're not is. doing that, that in my be... oven, Dan. You're not doing that no, in my oven. No, no, no. I mean, you got to feel for these researchers. But anyway, like you don't think of a big poop as a sign of health. I mean, you could have just eaten tons of really bad food and you're having a big poop because you ate lots of something. But the idea that when you're eating healthy, you're producing more poop out of the food because a big proportion of poop is just bacteria that you're that, so like the population of bacteria grows. And it's not just more bacteria. When you eat a healthy diet like that, the populations of different strains of bacteria, different species of bacteria change in your gut. And that leads to overall health. And so I don't know, it's just a really I'd never thought I always thought like you eat the calories, they must just go into your body. But some of them are lost as poop. And it turns out that eating healthy, you can make more of them go out as poop so that you uh, aren't getting as many calories and you don't gain as much weight. Well, even the things you listed as healthy, I actually kind of like, like oats, beans, lentils. I love chickpeas. Yeah, uh, quinoa's I eat, good. Quin- quinoa, I have no idea. When I first encountered that word in writing, I was like, what is that word? It was like the first time <laughs> I read epitome or hyperbole. I just epitome, thought these, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I just thought in writing there was a word that was similar to epitome and it was epitome. And I thought there was a yeah. word that was similar to hyperbole and it was hyperbole. Kanoa uh, is, is <laughs> that, I swear to God, I just, it's like there's certain words you see more in writing than yeah. in, like, exclaim. I feel like every book, oh, he exclaimed this, she exclaimed that. Nobody but he, says it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah. hyperbole is just one of those words. Uh, that means something similar to hyperbole, and it's only in writing. <laughs> uh, this was yeah. my thinking up until I was, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Well, quinoa is a healthy food. It's very similar to quinoa, but yeah. uh, quinoa is, uh, anyway, yeah, no, but, those foods, I mean, honestly, when you read the list, when you, like, oats, beans, lentils, chickpeas, brown rice, like, that's not, like, I don't know what you're serving, but if that's what it is, like, I'll go to Freshy Eye and get that. That's another one, Freshy. I always call it Freshy Eye, because when you see two do- two eyes next to each other in a species name, um... Mormoops. Well, that's two O's. But it, when you get the two I's, you say E-I. That's Got it. like how you pronounce the Latin name for a thing. So and when Freshy is forever Freshy I. Freshy I. Well, I have a friend who was like trying to sell me on fecal transplants, which as I understand, mm. as the time passes, it goes it's going from less of like a fringe uh, woo-woo kind of crazy thing to something that people are actually finding success with. That's when you're, you know, for whatever reason, you're unhealthy, you've got diarrhea all the time, you got IBS, or maybe you have trouble losing weight, and you get a healthy individual to put their poop inside of you. It sounds disgusting, but apparently it, it works. Yeah, I know. I just always picture this like, what's the equivalent of mouth-to-mouth resuscitation <laughs> with fecal transplants? Butt-to-butt. Like, <laughs> but, well, you you got to help a brother out. Like, I think I think they make pills or something like that. Like, I'm not exactly oh. – I think you don't eat it. Like, you, you you put it where the sun don't shine, I think is how those yeah, go in there. I'm just, but, like, imagining um, the process. Is it like when you're giving, like, a heart? I don't, I don't know exactly. Or I'm I don't giving know a the, kidney. The like, both people get wheeled in on gurneys with, like, the <laughs> with the with the medical robes, whatever you call them, and they, like, put you yeah, under. How much does it take? Like, yeah. that's the other thing. Is like, do I have to eat a bunch of quinoa so I can produce eight and a half times my normal output so that I can, you know, provide enough? to sustain this person. I think that when you get, um, people are infected with like uh, really dangerous strains of bacteria. I think fecal transplants help with that too. I, that's okay. a faint memory. Can, that may, may do you inherit your gut flora and your microbiome from your mother? You don't get it uh, in, you have to get it after you, you come out. And so it, you pick, you end up picking it up from the environment, but you don't, you're not. Uh, I wasn't breastfed, Dan. I wasn't best breastfed because my mom claims over the 10 years she had children, it was quote, out of fashion, which uh, no historical record confirms. <laughs> also her, her breast got suspiciously larger sometime between the time my brother and I were born. 
Uh, she claims she didn't have a... I've confronted her on the radio about it. She claims there was no augmentation, but I have my doubts. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, uh, that's fascinating. But yeah, she's got like problems. Like she, I remember going out for dinner as a kid and she'd be screaming at my father to drive home faster because she would say, I quote, have the blues, which was her way of saying, I have a stomach ache. Every time I go out for dinner, I got to go to the bathroom 15 minutes later. I have like a very weak constitution. Interesting. And I, Interesting. My, my crackpot theory is that I, I inherited it from her. Is it a milk thing? Because like that can happen when people are lactose intolerant is yeah. that they have a little bit of cheese and then all of a sudden they're like, holy smokes, time to go. I'll tell you this. I spat into a test tube. I sent it off to that company, 23andMe. I waited a month. Yeah. I was excited to find out about my genetic whatever. And the first thing that comes up is lactose intolerant, highly likely. I'm like, thanks. I could have just had a glass of milk. I know that. Uh, yes, I'm lactose <laughs> intolerant. I was like, the, that was the, but it's fun when they get it right, right? Like it's yeah. cool when because you didn't tell them that, right? And they got that independently. It, it, it's a good way. It's a good check. Yeah. It's a good check. Like, okay, they're not totally making things up. Like that, I knew that already, and you said that, so I buy that. Like for me, my my genetic scan showed that I have a whole bunch of potential problems with my eyes, and like that is what happens to people when they get old on my dad's side of the family. They all go blind, and so I was like, oh, good for you. You knew. That's very good. I found out from 23andMe something I already knew. I have something called the photic sneeze reflex. And that's when you see... What is that? It's when you see bright light and you sneeze. But it's... I know a lot of people when they see bright light, maybe once a month, they'll sneeze once. Every time I transition from low light to high light, it's not going to happen from a computer screen. But if I walked outside with you right now and the sun was shining, I would sneeze... Um, I would really? sneeze three or four times. And so I sneeze about 15 times a day. I have it on my grandmother's side. And on my, uh, I have it on my father and mother's side. So I both, I have wow. it on both and I have it like crazy. And my grandmother did too. And this is the part where I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent correct, but the way they found it, it was one of the first genetics. No, no one's going to like do a big study about where on the genome this is. They found yeah. it using statistics. They surveyed people on like 23andMe and all these yeah. w websites where people got genetic tests. Do you sneeze when you see bright light? And from that, they were able to isolate you know, where on the, on the human genome. Yeah, yeah, that's, and it that's was one a of the, the, a lot of these things, like they study it first and then they find the area. This was just like, they did a bunch of surveys to find it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, that's the, so there's something called single nucleotide polymorphisms, SNPs, SNPs. And that is kind of like the science of how that works is that they just like, they find correlations with things. So like people that have diabetes and they look and see, oh, look, they're people that have this SNP are more likely to be that have diabetes versus this SNP, which are more likely to not have diabetes. And and then later they go digging and try to figure out how it works. And so a lot of them are just correlational for the, in, in the beginning. And then they start to understand the mechanisms. And I think that's where AI, and let's not go on to the big AI tangent because no. last time we spent almost our whole time there, but that's one of the places where AI is going to be able to say, oh, that's interesting well let's see what protein that would make that would make this where in the body would that go and like just to think ahead and do all that amazing work that a human just couldn't be capable of absolutely i'm on the wikipedia for the photic sneeze reflex and i went to the bottom yeah. and you know there's also always on wikipedia. Is there a picture of you no there's not there should be there's a but a there section for c also and there's all these other topics yeah. Uh, one of them is histamine, which I guess makes sense. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, right. One is non-allergenic rhinitis. I don't know what that is. Rhinitis would be inflammation of the nose because okay. rhino is nose and itis is inflammation. Keep going. I one like is snatiation, snatiation, S-N-A-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Oh, I don't know what that is. And the last one is sexually induced sneezing, which is a phenomenon, phenomenon characterized by sneezing during orgasm or arousal. 
Wow. Oh, there's a topic for I mean, next I time. I like a good sneeze, but I feel like there are times when a sneeze would get in the way. Uh, yes. I'm, I don't know. I'm saving myself for divorce, Dan, and I, and I am divorced, so I've never had sex. Uh, all right, let's, right. let's jump into another science topic. I feel like today is sure. the day of tangents, is it not? Yeah, well, let's talk about that. What would be the day of tangents? What day of the week do you feel would be the best day for tangents? A day where you would least expect it. Maybe like a Monday. Yeah, Monday would work. You know what else happens on Mondays? What? Heart attacks. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a new study out um, shows that uh, heart attacks are more likely on Mondays. It's kind of a dissatisfying study. Oh. I mean, I've kind of... Sp- the thing about it is it's it's from a cardiology conference and there's a big press release that went out, but the data are not part of the press release and there's no abstract online where I can read like what the numbers are. So the press release says 13% higher on a Monday, but it doesn't say higher than what. So I have to assume it's higher than the other day's average, but then it says that it's also higher on Sundays, but it doesn't say by how much. And so then I've just got too many questions and I'm kind of frustrated. But then it also says that if this actually is the first time the data have been shown for Ireland, but that other countries in the Western world have shown this pattern before, that heart attacks are most common in the morning and they're usually on Mondays. And so people think it has to do with the circadian rhythm and waking up and that there's something that happens with hormones in the body that put you, make you more vulnerable when you're just trying to transition to awake and it's especially hard to do so. And maybe after you've had a weekend of getting enough sleep and then Monday hits, you have a hard time. But that doesn't really explain the Sunday thing. So I'm not exactly sure. And I have lots of questions. But Monday is heart attack day. Just is put this that common calendar. like press release without the data in, in the academic yeah, community? Yeah, you know what? You do get conferences. There are a couple of conferences that like to that seem to have like a press group that like to put out press releases. So one is the definitely see as these cardiology conferences. But another one is the Acoustical Society of America. They have these yearly conferences. And inevitably, they have really interesting stuff because sound is fascinating. What are they studying? The year or just like... Like, you know, concert well, halls? No, like, what are they? No, no, no. There might be like a study on echolocation or like this last one, there was um, some space balloons. So somebody made space balloons out of like plastic wrap from Home Depot and duct tape and, and a little bit of black powder. And then they put it out in the hot desert sun and then the black powder heats up and that causes the air to expand inside the... The, the plastic wrap. It's just like painter's plastic. And then it starts to float and that's how they make these balloons. And they go up like 30 kilometers to the edge of, not the, quite the edge of space, but towards space. And then they get up there and what these researchers did is hang these little um, microphones from them. And they're special microphones that listen for infrasound. So that's sound waves that are very, very low, that too low for us to hear, but that an elephant might be able to hear because they make infrasound. And they found all these noises that were happening up in space and they can't figure out where they come from. So that was a press release from this conference and so the paper was presented it had not been through peer review so you got to take everything with a with a bit of a you know like nobody knows what it's from that you might not believe verbatim because it hasn't been through peer review maybe the peer reviewers would find something that could explain what those sounds are but nonetheless they do at least provide the abstract so you can at least see the data as well as they're presented in the abstract for the paper but for this other press release for the cardiology thing it's just uh it's just a summary and that's it it's the illuminati must be it's the only logical conclusion that's, that is the one logical conclusion, and I could present that at a conference, and I could get it presented because there wouldn't be a peer review process. Although some conferences do have peer review before you can publish the paper. In engineering, they do that, but not for these ones. So you're an evolutionary biologist, but are there communities of scientists? Maybe it's the psychologists. Maybe it's the, I don't know, the chemists that like are known for, for being a little shady with their data. Like they, They're sort of the butt end of every joke. Like, I don't trust a paper from them because they don't do it right. Is, is there like a stereotype there? 
No, I think everybody sort of holds each other to the same standard. There is the nerdiness of like mathematics is real and then physics is kind of like one step from that. And then chemistry and then is just kind of one step from that and biology. End, yeah. and, and then at the end, there's, you know, psychology or whatever you put at the bottom of that human sociology. And there is the, the problem of repeatability. Like psychology is having this big crisis or has been for a decade now where a lot of the things we thought we just knew were true turn out not to be true. And actually this, you, you'll like this because so there's this problem, this weird problem that um, white, uh, educated, uh, I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but there's an acronym weird that describes people that go to school at undergrad institutions. And a whole bunch of psychology studies are based on surveys of people who were getting extra credit for their psychology class. And so as a result, they weren't samplings of, of the human population. They were samplings of kids that went to college in America. It's like pri privileged kids, kids, which, and then the demographics exactly. are skewed. Yeah, exactly. So if you ask like, do you care about puppies? Their answer might be different from people that grew up, you know, in a different place with different contexts, maybe aren't surrounded by dogs or whatever, right? They didn't grow up with a puppy that was healthy and free of worms in their house and stuff like that. So, um, so a whole bunch of psychology studies sort of had to be reevaluated with that in mind. And so now there's this improved thing that you know about Amazon Turk and other things like it, where you people from all over the world sign up and then you can answer questions and get paid to do it. And you can answer all kinds of questions, but here's the problem. Thanks to chat GPT, people are using chat GPT to quickly answer questions for for Amazon Turk. And so what's happening now is that that's become an unreliable data source. Let me let me just restate that. Like you yeah. put out the uh, the the you put out the ask, "Hey, I want you fill out this psychology study. You try to get a diverse group of people from the internet from different countries, different demographics, but then those people, they get a little bit of money per survey, so they're just using ChatGPT to fill it out." Exactly. And so you're, oh, you're so proud of yourself because you have somebody in rural India that's filling out the survey. And isn't it interesting that they're giving the exact same answer as this person in But that person in Kentucky. rural India is not an idiot. He, he or she knows they can use chat GPT to fill out these things yeah. faster and make more money. Exactly. And so this is causing a little bit of a crisis because all of a sudden this rich place to go for data, like, and how do you even check for that? How Why don't we do just you... ask chat GPT all the questions and then assume yeah. chat GPT is right? I think that's good science. I think that's what we are going to do if we don't figure out a way around that problem. But it's seriously like if you want to do a survey now, like it's a good question. How right. do you do it? How Let, do you avoid that? You were talking about space balloons. There's a science topic that uh, you are apprised of this week about space. Apollo 11, the fictitious moon landing that never happened. And Stanley <laughs> Kubrick, uh, you know, made happen in the uh, desert you. somewhere using his great camera me methods. Uh, and maybe Hal was chat GPT. I don't know. No, Apollo. Hal's Canadian. Hal oh, the voice of Hal's Canadian? The voice of Hal. It's a guy from Winnipeg. Oh, I didn't Can't know remember that. his name, but uh, yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia told me that. I was I was giving a talk about artificial intelligence, and so I played a clip of it. And I, I got curious and started looking around. And the guy who did the voice of Hal, I'm sorry, Dave, I cannot do. Or what does he say? I'm afraid I can't do that. Yeah, that, that's a that's a guy from Winnipeg. So when we do like new science, open up a particle accelerator and generate new particles and make things go fast or uh, go out into space, there's always this like backlash to it this irrational backlash this idea that if you play god if you do something humanity's not supposed to do maybe it's genetic engineering there's going to be some catastrophic unforeseen calamity that happens and i think the most rational of scientists have that fear because it's just such an irrational knee-jerk fear like oh what if i go too far um but that feel fear i mean doesn't seem that way now but when apollo 11 went to the moon uh, that fear was very real, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean that is like the basis of almost all of Greek mythology, and it's like, like a lot of great movies. The gods. A lot of yeah. great movies too. Yeah, 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 totally. It's um, it's hard to remember back, but two months before the moon mission, um, uh, Michael Crichton's book came out, uh, Andromeda Strain, yeah. and the the premise of that book is that there's a disease that comes from space. I haven't read it to be honest, but a disease comes from space and starts spreading, and humans are in a whole world of trouble and then two months later humans go to the moon and come back and so this not only had no probe ever come back from the moon um but certainly no human had ever come back from the moon and so there was this small chance that the moon is full of some kind of thing that could kill you and that when they come back they're going to bring it back to earth and wipe out humanity small chance but non-zero and nasa had been working on a plan that, to keep this in mind but they had a lot of things that they had to figure out to make apollo 11 work and they were racing the russians and there was just a lot going on and so try try as they may they didn't quite nail down all the details and so there's this new paper out it's by a historian and he's just revisiting the apollo mission and he's just pointing out that like it was theater like they spent a hundred million dollars they made this facility uh the lunar receiving laboratory and when the apollo astronauts came back they spent three weeks there as did 24 nasa employees who had come into contact with lunar material and so everybody could be like oh yeah good nasa's taking care of it and it's the 60s when everybody just kind of believed like if the government says they're taking care of it, I think people were more inclined to say, oh yeah, sure. No, I'm sure the government does have that under control. Whereas today, nobody ever believes anything. So anyway, but this, this uh, I guess this paper is a perfect proof of that because they're saying they said they had it all covered. But the very first thing that happened is that the, the thing hits the water when it comes back from space. That, that <laughs> Contaminating the ocean, yeah contaminating the ocean and then it opens like and the air comes out right like the air that those astronauts have been breathing these astronauts that were on the moon that they've been breathing in this capsule for a couple days on the way back it just opens up to the air and so if there were some kind of bacteria that could reproduce in the ocean like that would have been it that would have been the end of humanity but there wasn't it was turns out there's nothing on the moon so we were fine but that was just one of like nine different problems and there are all these different places in their whole in the whole containment and like moving them there and like what they were going to how they all the interactions and stuff they found at least nine different breaches where like if there was a problem we would have shot ourselves in the face yeah but like the first time we split an atom maybe if we got the if we forgot to do an order of magnitude in the calculations that could have been the right. end of humanity like there's just so many should you fear everything or you should just kind of take your precaution and do your best and or should it prevent you from ever making progress? Like, uh, what's this genome editing stuff? CRISPR or whatever? Like, does, does that stuff scare you a little bit from this kind of fear-mongering, irrational angle? Or are you, you're, you're, you're good with all of it? I've seen, like, hypothetical ways that uh, an Dr. Evil could use it to wipe out humanity, for sure. Like, there are ways you could, like, if you were if you were setting out to take one of these technologies and use it for evil, you could. And the same with artificial intelligence, right? It's, like, super powerful, but if somebody wanted to be mean with it, there are ways they could do that. And so, if you have billions of people on Earth, there are going to be some people who want to be mean. So, you have to figure out how to keep that technology away from the people that want to be mean. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you can't just sort of say, well, you know what, we're just moving science forward. And so, we're just not going to think about those implications. You just have to do your best to be responsible. But people have said that the atomic bomb is the greatest thing that's ever happened for world peace. Yeah. Because it, it stops wars. Because ultimately, you, you we all die if we if we engage in a full but, full-on war everybody dies but it's so the greatest thing it. for human peace until that if that day ever comes that one right. day it'll be a very bad thing for peace bad thing for world peace uh, but I then going forward after that it'll be fine you don't so this stuff doesn't scare you like i remember reading when cern was just opening up their large hadron uh -huh, collider 
this and I thought it was such an interesting idea. Like, so the way that matter works, where we are in the universe on Earth, it's like it's in its most stable form. Because if it was in any less stable form, it would decompose into the way that it is here. So, like you know, protons, neutrons, atoms, whatever. But the idea is they would create some chemical reaction that would be more stable than us and we would just immediately like you know you put you mix the um baking soda with the vinegar uh and we would just poof disappear because there'd be some chemical reaction that would make like is, it, is this kind of making sense or, or yeah 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 the kurt vonnegut the first book i ever read by him uh cat's cradle maybe yeah is that it that's why uh, anyway ice nine is this idea he had and he took chemistry for a while like before he went into became a writer he was a he was a chemistry student at cornell um and he he thought of like it's the idea is that uh water has like water is more stable as ice nine but just none of it exists but if any gets into the ice nine configuration then it becomes more stable and if any other water touches it it switches to ice nine and then you know eventually this stuff just spreads over the whole world and the, the military wants to use it because it makes uh it makes water uh solid so you could drive a tank across it and so um but being kurt vonnegut he just takes it into these creative directions but that, uh, it's based in chemistry that's exactly the fear like they would some let's say air nine like if air comes into yeah. con oxygen comes into contact with it it immediately turns into this other thing that that was the yeah. fear and I, I i couldn't help but be worried even though rationally there's no reason to believe these things right uh it just it, it, yeah that's the thing is you do the multiplication right it's like what's the odds of it okay one percent but then how bad would it be well really really bad and all of a sudden like one percent is way too scary but right like the, my like, child could be in the sandbox with the little shovel in the pail and dig up a rock that had was on a meteorite that had all the bacteria that could destroy humanity and that could be the end you know these right. there's these fraction of a fraction of chances of death that happen uh, of calamity like we could be hit by an asteroid in 30 seconds uh why are we scared of the moon you know it just it, right. it, it, there's a bit of like human irrational kind of fear there yeah that, yeah it's interesting i mean so i mean they didn't know most people at nasa's kind of figured there probably wasn't anything alive on the moon and we're kind of making the same bet for mars right and and we've sent spacecraft there and we've looked for it and we haven't been able to find it but and then the other thing is that like most microbes can't hurt you right i mean the idea that there would be something on the moon that was that had they could then thrive on the earth where it's got to compete with all these things that have been competing with each other for so long right like so edmonton or edmonton earth or edmonton as it's called by people from edmonton <laughs> Wow, that's an insight into how my brain works. Like, I'm from Edmonton, but I don't know why I would call the yeah, Earth it's, Edmonton. It's, I mean, people always say Edmonton is the capital of Earth. I mean, <laughs> that is... That. They, I don't people know do why they chose Geneva well, for the, the UN or the Hague or whatever. It's because of the mall. They should just all be in the mall. Like, the UN should be yeah. in the mall. The International Court should be there. Uh, yeah, because retail is going down because of the internet. Thus, West Edmonton Mall should be where the UN is. I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I really do think we're onto something. Yeah. Anyway, Earth is this place where evolution has been like it started with something very primordial but then it had to compete with the other primordial things and they've been competing 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 and now we have this place where like earth should be super hostile to anything that comes from another place because everything here is adapted to the earth that said the movie alien or aliens kind of goes on that idea that there are certain species that have evolved to go from planet to planet and to parasitize the life forms that exist there because there are certain similarities across planets it's an interesting evolutionary idea um, and fortunately, so far as we know, parasitoids, giant xenomorph parasitoids never came to Earth from the moon on that trip. But who knows? 
Who knows? Uh, maybe we knows? are there. Maybe they're sleeping, like the uh, like those little cricket things. What do you call them? The for the sleep for Face thirteen huggers? years. No, the they sleep. Oh, cicadas. Cicadas. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's a cicada situation. Oh, uh, here's one. Here's one. Here's yeah. one. Here's one. Here's one. Um, Paul McCartney has said that uh, the Beatles are going to put out another song uh, this year, and <laughs> that they're going to do it because so Paul. Um, Sorry, John recorded a demo to a cassette recorder and it's bad quality, but it's him singing with a piano or with an instrument of some kind. And, uh, and, but the quality has been so bad that they haven't been able to use it. And the Beatles th- didn't want to make something without actually having him in it. And so anyway, they haven't, they've got this old song, but it sounds like they're going to put it out this year because they've been able to use uh, artificial intelligence to isolate his vocals and clean up the recording. And so now they've got it. And so uh, we'll see if a new Beatles song comes out this year, but that'd be pretty cool. That would be. And Yoko Ono apparently handed it to Paul McCartney after John Lennon died. It was just yeah, a- the song is called. So the rumor is he didn't say this, but now and then is this song, this this idea for a song that Paul had that we all know he came up with in 1978, and it's on this demo tape. And there was discussion that that was going to be part of that Beatles one anthology, but it wasn't because the quality was so bad. But when Paul was working with Peter Jackson on that documentary about Let It Be, there was apparently some AI technology used to clean up some vocals for some certain tracks that they use there. And Paul was impressed by it. And so now he realizes that this is going to be plausible. And so, you know, I guess they need to get George on there as well. Like, I don't know exactly know how they're going to address the the other missing Beatle, but um, I don't know. Just kind of cool that there might be a new Beatles song this year, thanks to artificial intelligence. Not a fan. Isn't that subversive of me? Not a Beatles fan. You don't like the Beatles at all? No, I like them. They're good. They're good. Okay. They're just not great. But they don't. I, it's it, honestly my issue with the Beatles. The music is too perfect. Like the, the the reason I like the Stones is the reason I don't like the Beatles. The Stones is rough. It's gritty. It's like off kilter. I mean, it, just look at Keith Richards's face. Like the music embodies. <laughs> like that man is four hundred years old. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's done all the drugs. All he's in perfect balance. He's done every drug that somehow he's healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just I, I love the Stones. I hate the Beatles, but well, I don't hate them. I, I think they're good. Um, but but the, you don't. But surely there's like a song where you're like, oh, yeah, no, I do like. When this song. I'm kinda... 64, whenever I'm arguing with Beatles fans, they're like, you. There's got to be a song I'll say when I'm 64, which is like an embarrassment to even Beatles fans. Uh, so mm. yeah, that's that's my. Don't list. like that one. But but what about like um, what's the one the shoot? It's, it's, I no, like Sergeant Pepper. That's kinda, I guess it's a little that's, messy. Okay Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper has when I'm 64 on it. That's from Sergeant Pepper. I know it's from but, that album. Is that? Did I sing? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's a little rough. Yeah, it's okay. I feel like there was a time in the not so distant past, like five years ago, when people like me who worked in computing, who kind of knew about AI and machine learning and all this stuff, would say, "Oh." Chat GPT, even though it didn't exist at the time, but uh, AI would never be able to recreate music because there's something about humanity right. that gets injected and now, in, into the music, and and there's there's something so human about it. Now I'm not so sure. Oh, no, <laughs> totally no. I'm no pretty way. sure AI can write my favorite music, and that'll be not far from now. I, I, yeah, if it's not already happening. And, I mean, absolutely. And if people art, are trying that stuff. 
you know, like, yeah. I, I, the, and, and I, even this, like uh, being a performer, I, I'm not so sure that AI won't do, well, this just as well. That's not difficult, but other people's performing. <laughs> yeah, like a good, a good radio show that isn't a podcast or whatever, however you define yeah. this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because the, the sort of fear of the robot takeover, which came for blue collar jobs, but the thing is blue collar jobs didn't go away. They just changed. Yeah. And I would argue like they became more enjoyable right like you're not like now you're working with like it's they're more complex they're doing other stuff but like it didn't make everybody's lives worse because they all had to just go sit somewhere while the robot did all their jobs it's just their jobs changed and so you know we have all these jobs that require a brain and i i mean i don't know what's going to happen it could be that they just set us all aside and they don't need anybody who's creative or can write a script or can interpret a science story for a radio thing but um maybe people will still want that I don't know. Yeah, but then, like, how will they tell the counterfeit from the real? You know, like, okay, people are making the claim, I know AI can write a great song, but I want to support this artist. But then behind the scenes, that artist is just used. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Like, you know. That's like when people say they want to support local journalism, but then, like, ask them to pay for it. uh, But "Eh, they could be easily tricked. Like, the record label could be like, here's, you know, Justin Bieber, and there's a kid, and he shows up, but it's all behind the scenes AI, you know. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's it's interesting. It's fun to it's fun. I don't know. You got to embrace the unknown, right? You got to embrace the scariness. And this goes right back to what you were saying about the Large Hadron Collider. Is like we don't know what's going to come from all this. It might blow up the Earth. It might it might do to whatever to to creative people. It might do the Ice Nine effect, right? It might flatten us all and turn us into building blocks for something that does it all way better than us. But um, if you knew know, it was also- coming, like fifteen minutes away. Forget about the Wait, family. What? I'm sure. I mean, the end of everything. Somehow, the machine really like like it's it's like on the its way. Blow up in 15 minutes. Yeah, like you know, there's a nuclear blast in Russia, and you just heard a report, or like, I don't or 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 you see the video of the AI robots like storming New York, and you know they're coming to Ontario, whatever. Uh, forget about your wife, your pet, your kids. I know because you'd want to be with them, obviously, whatever. Sure. But like, assuming you were alone. Like you no chance of getting in contact with family. What activity would you choose to do for the 15 minutes? I think I've never smoked a cigar, but I think I would want to smoke a cigar. Hmm. I think I'd want to talk to you on this podcast. Oh, stop it. It's I think got, that's what I'd want to do. It's got to be something. And then weigh my poop. I don't know. I just feel like I got to <laughs> get a data point. Put on a Talking there. Heads album. Yeah, put on some good music, but also like somehow record the data. Like y- you might like scribble something down for the, when you find this, here's what, you know, like some last word the robots or something are going like to torture Dan. They don't want you leaving any messages. Yeah, for I just feel like life. there's going to be some survivor who's like, what was Dan Riskin doing when he got waxed? What happened there? No survivors, Dan. Hmm. Well, on well, that uplifting note, I think we should bad. end but At our... least you won't sneeze in the sunlight anymore because <laughs> you can't go outside. That's true. Uh, Dan, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time as always. The pleasure is mine. I hope you have a great whatever day it is. Monday? I hope not. It is. Well, yeah, Monday, Tuesday. Who knows what day these things get Who knows? Whenever people are listening to this, just I hope you're all well. Person, whenever person. Because I know you're listening, so that's the one download that we've been getting. Nice. Uh, Thanks, Dan. Thanks.